0: This is the Best Friends podcast, dedicated to sharing the people and programs that are ending the killing of cats and dogs in America's animal shelters. You'll hear from animal welfare leaders from across the movement who will share the innovative and collaborative work that are creating life-saving successes in communities of all sizes. Hello, and welcome to another new episode of the Best Friends Podcast. My name is John Dunn. Today is September the 28th of 2023. Now, as I told you at the start of the last episode, the podcast was on hiatus while I was out on leave to help care for my dad, who was suffering from some health issues. Thrilled to report that he's doing much better, but even in that short space of time, I feel like I missed a lot, including one of my favorite things of the entire year. If you're a regular listener to the podcast, you will know that I am talking about the Best Friends now. Conference. Each year, this event brings upwards of a couple thousand people together from across the country. Their roles in animal welfare vary. Some work for municipal shelters, others for private rescue organizations, foundations. Roles vary. We've got animal care and behavior, development, marketing, leadership, board members, volunteers, you name it. And they're from every corner of the country and some even from outside the U.S. But they're all there to learn how to save more lives. It's an incredibly informative week and it's also inspirational. I always leave with my cup filled so it was very tough to miss it for the first time I think since 2008. Now while it's difficult to share the actual conference experience outside of the event itself, the content, that's another matter. And you see the content was good when it was shared live in Houston during the conference, but it's still good today. Over the coming weeks, we'll be sharing some of the sessions with you here on the podcast and in other ways through the Best Friends Network. Whether you attend it or not, it's a great way to make sure you don't miss a tidbit that can help transform the way you work to save lives every day. Now before I tell you about today's episode, I want to make sure you have July 11th through the 13th, 2024, get those dates penciled into your calendar. July 11th through the 13th because that's the date of next year's Best Friends National Conference. It is going to be in Orlando, Florida. I hope to see all of you there. You know, I'm going to let you know as soon as the registration window opens, that's next year. So don't worry about that right now, but at least for right now, make sure your organizational and personal calendars are clear July 11th through the 13th for next year's Best Friends National Conference. Now, for today's episode, we selected a session that I think is relevant for so many of you, And it's all about capacity crisis marketing. Much of the country has been suffering from a capacity crisis for uh, the better part of the past couple of years. And while it may seem like the old playbooks aren't working anymore, they are. And there is hope. And the speakers you will hear today say the mantra of never let a good crisis go to waste has given them the opportunity to try new and creative marketing ideas that they never thought possible. In this session, you'll hear how the Kansas City Pet Project in Kansas City, Missouri, and the Williamson County Regional Animal Shelter in Texas, how they both publicize their shelter capacity to their communities while still promoting their pets, programs, and services. Uh, This, as you can imagine, does have some visuals to go along with it. Not required to listen at all, but you will find a link to the accompanying PowerPoint presentation in the show notes area on your podcast player of choice. Or you can go to bestfriends.org slash podcast. Click on the link for episode 149. The first voice you will hear, Tori Fugate from KC Pet Project, and the second speaker, Misty Valenta from Williamson County Regional Animal Shelter.
1: Right. So, really quick. Um obviously you're here to learn about crisis capacity marketing, but how many of you are really, really full right now at your shelters? Hi. This is like one of the most important things to realize in the beginning. You are not alone. Look at everybody else in this room that is also struggling with this topic. Um this is something that we are seeing across the country right now. Um and Misty and I are here to say today we're going to talk about a lot of examples. You're going to see things that have worked for us as well as some other shelters. Um, we're going to really just put a lot of examples in front of you today. Um, and But we're here to tell you that we have not solved this. We are trying different things every single day at our organizations. We're using data to show what is happening in our shelters. And you're going to see ways that uh, you can do that as well in yours. But we're going to show you a lot of examples of what have worked for us. So
2: yeah, so we're in the thick of it. We're in the mess of it just like y'all. And one of the questions that we get asked a lot is, you know, what is causing this increase? Where are all these animals coming from? And you need to go to your data to answer that question. Don't give a, well, it feels like, no, 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 go to your data and figure that out. um, Because that's how you're going to know what programs to initiate to help with that. Uh, And we can't only pick one way to get out of this. We can't only adopt our way out of this or transport our way out of this. We have to think about multiple areas. We have to use data to tell our story so we can tell a truthful story. You don't have to back up and say, oh yeah, that story we put out. That's not what's going on. Use your data.
1: And we're just laying a bit of a basis here um, for open adoption policies. So a lot of the stuff that we're gonna be talking about today, it's really important that you look at your adoption policies to identify any barriers that you have in place to getting animals out. This is sort of setting the groundwork. The best marketing in the world won't be effective if you, you know, put barriers up to getting animals out of the building. So have as few barriers as possible. Look at things like adopters welcome from HSUS. Be open for adoptions. You know, no appointments. Like look at all the ways that you can get people in your building or at your you know, rescue organization, whatever it is, to get animals out. And so really looking at those all the time. Um, promoting your policies is also great. Have that information on your website so that people know what that process is going to be like. Um, but you know, looking internally at things that may be um, causing animals to not leave the building is very, very important.
2: And that needs to be wrapped into your everyday process. Every single day, you should be asking, what if, and let's try. And if you're not doing that, then you're not exploring all the options. And you need to always be working towards yes. And these are kind of mantras that I say over and over and over to our staff. Every day, we are working towards that yes. If you are denying a foster, if you're denying an adopter, There better be a really high-level reason for that. Um, So don't be your own barrier. This is a picture of the dogs taking over our cat adoption room. Not a very um, popular decision that I made, but it got those dogs into the media spotlight, and it got those dogs homes. And it's because I was asking, well, we don't have a lot of cats. What if we did this? If I wouldn't be asking that every single day, we wouldn't have tried it. And those dogs wouldn't be home.
1: So one of the things that both of our shelters do, we we came up with this topic because we were talking and we were like, wow, we have the same procedures at both of our shelters. Um, and so, and we're not alone. We've, we've kind of modeled it off of some other shelters. But one of the things that we're doing all the time is looking at our at-risk pets. Now, me as a marketing person, at risk is like not the best term sometimes for the public to really understand what that is. But for us, it's really important um, to track any animal that may be at risk of either staying a long time at your shelter, deteriorating, you know, mentally under, you know, going through quality of life issues, or is that that is truly at risk of euthanasia. So this is a great way that both of our shelters um, really track these animals to make sure that no animal falls through the cracks. So this is kind of hard to read, but if you're especially if you're in the back, but this is an example of our at-risk list, the Casey Pet Project. So all of the dogs that are added to this list are 30 days or more. This is a live Google sheet that we keep track of. Um, it's also your harder placement. So any animals with behavior concerns, intake notes, case notes from animal control, whatever it is, um, are added to this list, as well as quality of life. So dogs that are deteriorating in the shelter. We meet weekly as a t- team um, to discuss all of these animals on our canine ops team. And that's every single department within canine operations. So foster, veterinary, behavior, lost and found, everybody meets once a week to discuss all these dogs. Anybody with a blue highlight means that they are very urgent. We need to get them out immediately. And what you can't see on the back end of the other um of the other part of the sheet are all the check marks that we go through. So has this dog, have we tried to get it into foster? Have we tried rescue? Have we done a dog day out? Maybe we changed it to another kennel. Have we marketed the dog? Does it have a bio? Does it have a video? Does it have a photo? All of these things are check marks so that we make sure that no animal is forgotten about at our shelter. And we are constantly looking at this. Every single person in our organization is looking at this list every day to see what we can do to get these animals out. So all of these dogs, you know, no none of them are gonna be forgotten about. And every department is accountable for them. It's not just your canine team, it's not just if this you have this for cats, it's not just your feline team, it's every everybody.
2: And we do a very similar but in a, a smaller scale. So we also meet weekly. Um, we do it on a teams meeting so that people can just log in where they are, wherever they are in the shelter. Um, And we use a lot of QR codes in our shelter to uh, be open to taking in input from staff and volunteers. Um, So if you scan one of the QR codes in our kennel um, as a volunteer, you can report a behavior or medical issue to staff. Um, So just to constantly collecting that data. So if someone's not on our list and suddenly we're getting a bunch of QR codes about it, we know we need to check out that dog and, and what's going on. Um, and we also post our dog and cat length of stay lists throughout the shelter. So that way we remind staff who's been here the longest, who do we need to advocate for. And we do sometimes have those adopters and fosters come in and say, who's been here the longest? And now we have a visual representation of who that is. And we can start going down the list and finding the right match
1: for that family quite easily. All right. So we kind of laid the groundwork of how we're tracking animals and how we're getting information on them. Um, so now we're going to go through a lot of examples. And um, a lot of what we're talking about today is is dogs, um, but this can all easily translate over to, to cats as well. Um, so it's just for us, it's very strange. Us, it's we're dogs. just dogs right now. so But we're getting more cats in. So things to think about when
2: you are working on your messaging, um, you want to use everyday language. Language that you could explain the situation to a five year old or to your grandma, and they're gonna understand. You're you don't want to use shelter words, shelter jargon. Your message is not gonna come across. Um so always reread what you're posting and what you're saying to make sure that Um, A young child could understand or, you know, someone who hasn't been watching social media would understand. And you need to constantly, I know we're always saying the same, we're full, right? We're full, we're full, we're full. You can't just repeat that language over and over and over people are just going to pass on by. You have to find new ways to describe your situation, to highlight a moment of your situation. Because every time you change that story, even though it's the same story, same narrative, different story, you're going to reach a new person. You're going to say it in a way that didn't affect them last time, but it's going to affect them this time. So always find a new avenue for your storytelling. And use your visuals. Visuals will have a high impact on the story and the tone and the feeling and the emotion being evoked. And have something that you always do have a um, consistency. So when you break that consistency, it's noticeable and people stop and they pause. Different ways that you can get the information out, obviously social media. I'm sure many of us are already using multiple forms of social media to get the word out. But don't forget about your local media, um, radio, TV, um, sending out those press releases. And sending out press releases that, again, are saying a different message. If your tone is always, we're in crisis and it's horrible... Like after the fifth one, they're not even reading it anymore. So you need to alter how you are saying, um, how your, your storytelling always be changing it up and one-on-one we're, we're always thinking about reaching the masses, but you also have to work with one-on-one the folks, the individuals in your community Um, if you are government and you have government ties in some kind of way, and you can get into one of the offices, and and if you have an ear somewhere that will listen, use it. And it might not be your representative. It might be the assistant in that office of the representative, and that person's going to become your
1: advocate within that office. So, this is an example of something that we have done at Casey Pet Project. And I will tell you that this has been the most effective graphic that we have used. Um, we have used it repeatedly, but we don't use it all the time Um, but this was a visual representation of what every single kennel looked like in our shelter i recently did one that had every single kennel full so this was back in march Um, but just showing what a physical representation of your shelter looks like it might still be hard for people to really grasp how many animals you have in the building but when they see that it's like oh wow okay every single kennel is full and then you know i was like also we have kennels or dogs that are waiting for space to open up so that they can go in and holding kennels. And so make it really clear to understand. Give everyone a call to action if you post something like this as well. Don't just say, whoop, this is what it looks like here. Um, You know, be able to say, okay, here's how you help lost pets get back home. Here's how you can foster. Here's how you can rehome your pet. Here's like all of these things. And it's okay to give people multiple tools. Um, But, you know, and also showing just, again, your data Of why you're like this, where all these animals came from, that's the first question the media is going to ask you. Where are they all coming from? Have your data ready to show them and be like, well, right this week, right now, it's a lot of stray animals coming in, or we just had a round of evictions in our community and we have a lot of animals coming in. Like really just give them the information, be very transparent and honest of why you have all these animals coming in.
2: So there's kennel capacity, but there's also the capacity of care. If you don't have the staff to take care of the animals, you could have the largest shelter in the world. It doesn't matter. You need the people to come in and care for them. So we um, posted a shelter status update focusing on capacity of care. This is one of the days this past summer. I don't remember when, but this this is what it looked like at our shelter. And our call to action was we need help, right? Come and volunteer, come and foster, come and adopt. um, Because the amount of time you can give, even though you think it's so small, it's going to be more than what we're doing.
1: And how many animals was that for one staff member to care for? Oh gosh, I tried to count. Remember? Um,
2: It was like like 50, 45. Yeah. Too many. The answer is too many. (laughs) A lot for one person. Oh, so graphs. Um, So this is another way of demonstrating how full you are. And many people have used these crisis meters. Um, They are helpful, but they don't really tell the whole story. It's kind of hard because people really don't understand what that means. What does it mean to be in the red. So always try to give um, a story or some background to what that means. If you have not (laughs) expressed your capacity to your community in any kind of way, this is maybe a good first step, but this should be your first step and keep evolving and getting more um, data into your messaging to help folks understand what you're going through.
1: This is another example of something that we have used that has been helpful at times. How many of you seeing this photo just here in the (laughs) eye? Yeah, it can be effective at times to see an animal behind bars. I mean, we—you've seen some photos of our shelter. We have glass kennels even just that seeing a dog in a glass kennel they're like oh they're fine they're in a nice bright green shoreline kennel that's very nice you know at least they have shelter but you know having some really like dramatic photos even putting a black and white filter over a photo sometimes I'll do it like four times a year. When I get really like desperate, I'm like, okay, it's time for the black and white photo. So, and it works. It does work. It helps create a little bit more of a sense of, oh my gosh, I need to go help this animal. Um, And so sometimes those photos can really, really make a difference in your marketing. um, Showing how many animals you have in a row also very effective. Um, if you are, who, who's like doubling up kennels, putting, you know, multiple dogs in kennels, that's also, you know, a really visual graphic to see that many animals um, in a kennel together. Um, also something that has been effective for us is actually a video walkthrough of the shelter. I did this like two weeks ago, walked through on Facebook live and I literally walked past every single kennel and paused on every single dog. It took about 45 minutes just going through, and in between the districts that we have, I would take breaks and kind of explain, you know, what you just saw in this room was this, and here's some of these dogs. This one came in as a stray. So really just going through and giving people a tour of what your shelter looks like. Um, I also did it at 8 o'clock in the morning before we had started cleaning to show this is what it's like to take care of and clean this many kennels every single day when we talk about capacity for care with our staff you know, it's really tough to take care of that many animals. And so it was really, really effective. It's been shared a lot. Um, and again, we can't do it all the time, um, but it was really effective at the time. And so this is another example of a photo that we did that was black and white and also we just went with this whole theme so you're gonna see a few examples of adoption specials we do them a lot Um, right now we joked that we're basically like giving away all of our dogs for free at this point Um, especially our longtime dogs so but urgent adoption specials with dramatic photos can get a lot of shares and engagement on Facebook this uh, poster had well over a thousand shares and it helped us move animals out we adopted out hundreds of dogs that weekend. Um, And you can also have adoption specials. We do this a lot by what you need to move out. Are you moving small dogs out of the shelter? Great. Don't have an adoption special for small dogs. Have it for 30 30 pounds or more or 20 pounds or more or adult dogs, whatever it is that you need to move out. We don't typically do any breed specific adoption specials, but we'll do it by weight because those are the dogs that we need to get out of the shelter as well as adult cats. We'll do that a lot.
2: And just to plug, if you're a best friend's partner and you're not getting the emails about their adoption specials, um, talk to your representative or sign up to be a best friend's partner, because that's super helpful in just having help with marketing um, to get the message out for this one weekend, come and adopt. Um, So use your partnership so you don't feel like you have to do it all. Okay, Um, fostering so important. Uh, We haven't mentioned fostering too much, but fostering should always be in almost every single post that you post. If you're just posting about adoption, add the word foster in there too. Make that program as highlighted as your adoption program, and you will grow your program just by talking about it. Um, I have found that there's a lot of confusion in our community about what fostering is and can I foster? And and they f- they are coming to us and they're putting up a bunch of barriers of what that means. So we need to be very open when we're talking about it so that we're inviting folks to come in and learn more about the program and save some lives. And use your volunteers to help with any of this. This does not have to be staff-run. Things Even in um, our meetings, talking about the dogs who have been there for a long time or at risk. We'll invite volunteers to those meetings because they might have ideas or connections that staff members don't. Uh, so engage your volunteers to help with those things too. You don't have to do it alone. So kiss. Keep it simple, sister. Um... In most business books, it has another word, but I'm going to make it sister now. It's a thing. Um, So keep it simple. So we had some uh, programs that we had internally, and, and yeah, you can come and get a dog for as long as you want. We don't care. Just come get a dog. And we thought we had been marketing that well, and... Uh, we kind of discovered we hadn't because we re kind of branded our Doggy Day Out program and it exploded. It exploded. We only bought like a few supplies for it because it hadn't really taken off before. And we had to post on social media that we ran out of supplies. Like, no more Doggy Day Outs for today. Too many dogs are like, they're out. Um, so then we had people saying, well, we'll just, we'll donate the supplies you need. What do you need? And they were just growing the program organically. So Doggy Day Out became a a huge success. And for one of the posts, I was reading the comments, which, you know, can go either way. Um, and one of them was like, well, what if I don't want to give them back the same day? And for those who don't know Doggy Day Out programs, you check out a dog For the day and you bring them back before the end of the day. Super simple, non-committal, right? And someone asked, well, what if I don't want to bring them back? What if I just want to keep them for the whole weekend? And I immediately got on there, I was like, yes, you can do that, absolutely. And so then the next thing that we were marketing were weekend getaways. Come grab a dog for a weekend. So listen to your community. They're putting barriers on themselves on how they can help. They don't have enough time. They don't have, you know, whatever. So when they come to you with questions on how to help, listen to them because they wouldn't be asking if they weren't interested. And if they're interested and you welcome them in, they will come. Um, So keep it simple. If there's too many, again, don't be your own barrier. If there's too many hoops, if, you know, we're not going to go through this unless you keep the dog for three weeks, reconsider that because you're missing out on opportunities.
1: One of my favorite things about Dog Day Out programs is, um, the- information that you get. So when we send them out, when they get back, they're required. The person that took them out is required to fill out a survey. And it literally asks, how'd your day go? What'd you do? And send me photos. And that information that we're getting is so, so valuable to helping these dogs get out of the shelter. Um, We're just posting these dogs and just at the park on someone's couch, it's exactly what they would be doing in a home. And that sort of emotional connection that somebody can make seeing an Instagram post, um, just from seeing what that dog day out looked like is, so so valuable to getting these dogs out so it's been really really successful for us and having volunteers support your program is amazing our volunteers now have like a okay last Saturday we sent out 30 this week we're gonna do 32 you know they challenge each other every week to send out more dogs which is fantastic and they
2: might end up in adoptions too I forgot to mention yes. in that picture that was a picture of returning a doggy day out and deciding no no We're going to go just, we're just going to do the whole adoption thing. And they couldn't let him go. Um, And that they were just the most, you know, wonderful couple. Um, And he fit so perfectly on their couch. They just had to adopt. So it could end up in adoptions
1: as well. So this is an example from um, Charlotte Mecklenburg, Animal Care and Control. They do snapshot dashboards. So there are some shelters that do this um, where you can kind of show another example of like, this is how many animals came in. This is how many animals went out. Um, Some of the writing is kind of hard to see, but it says dogs waiting um, on adoption kennel. So they have separate kennels for each um type of animal stray or adoptable um, available kennels and adoption dogs so they've been showing you know some uh some graphics every week and then highlighting some dogs that need to go out this is a little more time intensive especially if you don't have a marketing team putting this all together um if if you need to you know do graphics like this too how many of you are using Canva it's the best Canva is very very helpful um can also help you um put together lots of graphics like this and it's free. So one of my favorite ways of highlighting the urgency is using the media to do it. So we talked a little bit earlier about how you have to give different examples, um, give different data points each time to try to get the media attention. Um, We have both been very successful at getting media out to talk about it, Um, you know, really just being real and honest with what is happening. They're going to ask questions. You have to put yourself out there, put your data out there and show what is truly happening and give call to action and how the community can support you. is such a huge way to get free media uh, to get the word out about how people can get involved and help. And even if it's just like we need more volunteers to come help us clean kennels because we're so full. Look at little nuanced stories that you can pick up each time look at your Dog Day Out program, maybe talk about fostering this time, but you're still running on the same story that you're you're still so, so full, but look at little ways that you can change up the story each time and really try to have a relationship with reporters in your community that you can just text and be like, oh my gosh, we literally have dogs waiting in intake kennels. You know, Can you come out today or anytime this week? It'd be so, so helpful. Here's some new data that we have um and just that's just going to be so so effective to getting the word out to your community about what you're going through
2: and using the media we decided to hold a press conference one day to really just hone in on the messaging we've we've done the press releases and everything and so we just held our own press conference state of the shelter we invited media We posted it, um, uh, Facebook Live, and um, had a prepared statement of what was going on, what did we need, and uh, urgent call to action. Um, This is the same one where I also introduced our uh, cat dogs, the dogs living in the cat room. (laughs) And um, so it wasn't just doom and gloom. Like We ended with the cat dogs to encourage people to come. And the, the comments, you know, were helpful and motivating some of them. We got, you know, like, oh, this is, this is the sign of failure, you know, kind of comments, um, which is fine. And, but most of them were like, they are being open and honest and, you know, what can we do in asking specific questions. So for this one, not only was I was in the front giving the statement, but we also had staff who were answering those questions in real time to make sure that information was getting out. And you... You did one recently on Zoom,
1: right? We did it with our volunteers. So we did a state of the shelter um, with our volunteers and our board and staff. And we had over 100 people attend. And really, we just went over what capacity for care really means in the shelter and tried to define that for our volunteers. And it was really, really effective. So the other um, big piece is talking about quality of life in your shelter. And I put this up as an example because this was a dog. His name was Ali. And he... He was being posted all over the place that he was going to be euthanized. Young boxer, um, you know, people had found out that he was like had a deadline and everything like that. And people were livid with us. Like, why would you euthanize that dog? Like, he's a young dog. How dare you? Why would you do that? And we were like, we're really trying hard to get him out. We want to get him out. And so what we did, he ended up getting adopted, um, which was great. This young lady adopted him. Um, but then after he got adopted with this photo, we shared, so this is what Ali was going through every day, multiple times a day. He was literally just poop painting his kennel, spinning in it, just climbing the walls, trying to get out of his kennel every day, despite going to play groups, despite going on walks, going on dog day outs, going, you know, trying to go to foster. We had done all of these things, trying to get him out, marketed him multiple times. And so... This is another thing that's hard it's hard for the public to see this sometimes because they don't really understand to what the trauma and experiences that some of these dogs are going through in a shelter But it was really effective because everybody was like, Oh, okay. Yeah, no, he wasn't doing, he wasn't doing well in the shelter. Um, so we use this as an example. We've done this a few other times with some other dogs and we can see dogs that deteriorate very, very quickly that are going through this, but others that have just been there a long time. And so explaining what dogs are going through in easy to understand terms, don't speak you know, like a veterinarian and be like, you know, it's talking about things that everybody won't understand. Use things, very, very simple terms that the public will understand. And then everybody afterward was like, oh, okay, we get it now. So it was great to be able to use that. And using the simple terms and
2: everyday terms, like mental health is... That's a phrase now, right? People are talking about mental health. And so we started using that for fosters. We need a mental health foster because Perry isn't doing well. Um, Perry was so stressed that he wasn't eating, he wasn't sleeping. And so he just, he needed to get out. That was his only lifesaver, was getting out of the shelter. Um, and we did that by marketing for mental health fosters, to show that yeah in the pictures they you know maybe not him but sometimes they look perfectly fine but we know mentally they are not fine right now and by using the term mental health we're able to extend that out so that trying to help people understand what the dogs are going to it's not just the physicality and it's not just the cleaning it's not just the feeding but they are also going through something mentally while they're staying in a shelter, especially for a long period of time. We did find him a mental health foster, and as you can see with just, you know, getting some sleep and allowing himself to eat, he was he was fine, but he needed that break. Imagine if you're working, and I hope you're not working, you know, 50 hours a day, seven days a week, you're going to look like Perry too. So you just need to get out of there and you can be much uh much happier. And so we use this to demonstrate what what that is.
1: Very happy. You need happy boy. <laughs> so this is a bit of a harder topic to talk about, but Talking about euthanasia, um, so for us at Casey Pet Project, this has been really hard. We have not been in a in a point that we have been having to talk about this, and so while it's scary, it's so important for your community to know about it and what is happening in shelter, in in your shelter. And so arm your staff and volunteers with information to help combat misinformation. We've been working on sort of policy statements about you know what. What does it mean to be a no kill shelter? What does it mean to have to euthanize behavioral euthanasia dogs? Like what does all of this mean? So we've been working on really trying to get that message out to the public. There will be criticism. There will be. It's hard. Um, but having that information, that's why we did the state of the shelter with our staff and volunteers. We just wanted them to be able to ask us questions. And having an honest conversation with them prior to really starting to talk about this a little bit more. And again, giving your community calls to action. We don't want to euthanize these dogs. We want to adopt them. We want to get them into foster. We're doing everything that we possibly can to get them out of the shelter because we have so many coming in. And we have to be the shelter for all of those animals that are coming in, so help us get these dogs that have maybe been here for a few months out. And so actually, Missy and I looked at our um, behavioral or euthanasia checklist. Um, and I know it's kind of hard to read from the back, but it's really just a checkpoint to make sure that have you done all of these things for this animal? Have we tried to modify the behavior? Have we tried to get a foster? Have we tried all of these things? And it's signed off by multiple departments. So at our shelter, it's signed off by multiple canine departments. Everybody is in agreement, and then it's signed off by our CEO. Every single euthanasia decision at our shelter is signed off by our CEO. So we have this protocol in place for every single one. It's getting really hard whenever we're getting so many animals in, and now we're to the point where it's just purely space and length of time. And so that's making it a lot harder, but we still get together as a group and talk about it and then talk about how we're gonna try to not euthanize them. So putting plans, of we basically do like marketing plans for every single dog, um, just in an effort to get them out.
2: Flipping it, um, what we've been doing uh, at Williamson County is a preventing euthanasia list. So instead of posting the dogs who are at risk, Uh, most of those for us are dogs that we think we can place, but we're we're just, we need to work with them a little bit more and we can, if we have the space and the time. So let's get out the easy ones. So we pick the easiest, easiest dogs that we have, the ones that could fit into the most families and promote them. Let's get them out of here. Um, so it turned tradition on its head. It confused a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people thought we were euthanizing the easiest dogs, but then it allowed us to have these conversations of, no, 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 we're we're working to prevent euthanasia. That's our goal. You know, we we have the same goal here. You know, how are you going to help us now? And um, it's taken a few times of getting out there in the media to talk about it, Uh, and it's it's in our community, I I feel like the message is getting across better now, what this list is and what the expectation is of this list. And uh, the last time we used it, which was recently on that, as soon as it was posted, two of those dogs left um, because the community is now understanding what this list is and that they can just come and say, yeah, that dog. And that dog's probably going to be fine. Um, But yeah, it gives you the permission to explain what you're doing. Because no one's in here to create a euthanasia list. No one's in here to kill animals. We're all working against that. So let's talk about it openly. All right. So getting into telling the story in different ways. Um, this is one of our most popular posts or just a portion of one of our most popular posts. And Buddy was at the shelter a year and a half, two years. That's right, two years. And just like, we just need to do something for Buddy. He's good. He's a good dog. There's no reason that he should be in the shelter for two years. And so we came up with a post by Buddy in Buddy's voice, in Buddy's tone. And in that post, I wanted, while reading it, that he was answering, am I real? Am I safe? Do I matter? And it was a really powerful post. And he got adopted next day, same day. It was real quick. Um, But that post was shared so many times and people commenting on it, but we went into the nitty gritty of why we do this and why the community follows us on social media. And uh, that can be really powerful. Again, it's gonna be one of those things that use every now and then, um, but really look through their eyes and tell their story. And there was one more thing I was going to say about it, but now I can't remember. So I'll, yeah. Um, Countdowns. So another super easy way to reach a goal with a celebration point. Uh, And always celebrate when you get to a celebration point. Thank the people who are coming to help you. We sometimes forget that because we're in crisis, Um, but you have to put in those thank yous every now and then. Um, So making a very clear call to action. We want so many animals fostered, so many adopted. Whatever your goal is, and then keep them updated.
1: So that way we are working
2: together to reach that goal.
1: We talked a little bit earlier but uh, about adoption specials, but you got to have a little bit of fun sometimes with all of this. So we try to have fun adoption specials um, and just really trying to get as many animals out. We have these on the weekend when most people are off work, uh, Friday through Sunday. Um, sometimes if there's a holiday like 4th of July, we'll extend it um, to whatever that holiday is when people are off work. Um, you can host special by species, weight, ages, length of stay, whatever, um, you know, have it really just be sort of a fun theme that you can go with. I love, you know, it's Barbie season right now. So I love the barky adoptions special. Like it's so cute. So, and uh, you know, just being able to market these, send it out with a press release and see if you can get it on the news. Even if you can get it on a five to 10 second clip, like today, Williamson County's having a barky adoption special from, you know, noon to six, go adopt a dog. That even that little mention is going to get people And traffic to your adoption locations. So, as we wrap up, um, looking at long term solutions is important um, as we look at how do we prevent animals from coming in in the first place. We've talked a lot about getting them out, um, but you have to look at ways to. Prevent them from coming in. So for us, keeping them in their homes is a huge priority. Um, that is through our pet support team and our animal services division. If we can keep an animal in a home as opposed to bringing them to shelter, we're going to do it. So we have programs dedicated to pet retention and support. If it's a bag of food, if it's helping them figure out how to get their dog, you know, contained in their yard, if it's a dog house, we have Eagle Scouts making all of our dog houses now which is fantastic. And we're, again, looking at our data to see where pets are coming from and focusing our support in those areas and just asking people how we can help, how we can support them. Um, Focus staffing and volunteer efforts to also getting lost pets back home, posting them next door, posting them on Facebook, sharing how people can get lost pets home instead of bringing them to the shelter is critically important.
2: And using your data, keep going back to your data and tracking how you're doing and what's working and what's not. And what are you doing really well? And how can you boost that up even more? Um, and being transparent with all of that data so that folks know the effort that you're putting into and how they can impact you. If your number one lifesaver this month was adoptions, you should be thanking your community for coming out uh, and you should be working to welcome even more of them coming in and finding ways to increase those adoption numbers. So keep looking at your data. Always call your community to help. That's the number. Everyone loves animals. Okay. Well, maybe like (laughs) 99.9%, but that's a really good number. So call on your community to help and show them Just show them what you need and be sometimes just super specific just to get that foot in the door of how to help you. So here's the thing. We're all in crisis. We are all having a really difficult time. And there's some big issues that we cannot immediately solve. I cannot change the economy tomorrow. I can't do that. That is something I don't have control over. I can't control the person coming into the lobby and screaming at me. I can't control that. What I can control is how I react to those things and how I move through those things. So, whatever you're doing as an individual or as an organization, how is your organization choosing to act in a state of crisis? If you are acting in a way where all your social media it just sounds hectic and you don't know what's going on and you're blaming something somewhere and that's all you're talking about is that the kind of person you can hang out with? Is that the person you can follow on social media time and time again? What you can control is you, and I say also you in the bigger way of organization, how, what your message is saying, and how you're interacting with the community. That's what you can control, and that's your choice of how you're gonna act in this time of life saving.
0: Thank you to Tori and Misty for sharing so many amazing tips at this year's conference. A reminder to check the show notes for resources for this episode, including a link to the video version of the presentation and the PowerPoint. Again, that link in the show notes on your podcast player, or you can go to bestfriends.org podcast, click on the link for episode 149. Thank you as always for tuning in. My name is John Dunn, and this is the Best Friends Podcast.